Hi, everyone. We're in a series this Christmas week entitled The Emotions of Christmas. And we're going to see today the emotion that perhaps Mary and Joseph might have experienced when the angel brought them the message that the Christ child would come through them. Think about it. And I want us to focus in on the fact that, hey, how about when God uses us? God uses us for his purposes, the amazement that can come over all of us as well. So we're going to take a look at a message that we heard oh, a few years ago, Christmas here at New Hope, and let's get right into the message, The Amazement of Mary and Joseph. You know, sometimes you can hear something, and upon hearing it, it can confuse you, it can shock you, it can surprise you, it can amaze you. It can do all kinds of things. Maybe you received a bill in the mail for something you didn't have to pay, or maybe you didn't think you had to pay it, and that bill came in and you were kind of shocked by it, maybe in a negative way. Or maybe uh, you got a text, you're going on vacation. You're going to fly the friendly skies of United, and you get a text, oh, your flight has been delayed. Then you get another one. Oh, your flight has been canceled. That'll send some emotions soaring through your heart, right? Or maybe your granddaughter is going to have a baby. And uh, that's a great emotion. So you see, there's all kinds of emotions that we have from the things that we hear. What we hear can really stir up some emotions, some good, and some we would say not so good. We're in a series entitled The Emotions of Christmas. And each week we're bringing you an emotion that someone experienced during that Christmas story. Today we're going to see the emotion of amazement. Amazement. I wonder if that's almost like one of those missing emotions today. Have you ever been amazed? Have you ever been amazed by God? If so, that's a good thing. God has done something, or you realized that God has done something, and it kind of just blew your mind. That's a good thing. Well, in the Christmas story, it was a day like any other day in Nazareth. Maybe it was laundry day. Maybe it was sewing day. Or a day for just cleaning up around the house. But something happened that day. And we find it in Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. Now in the sixth month, what is the sixth month? It's the sixth month after Elizabeth conceived John the Baptist. So John the Baptist is six months in the womb. And now this happened. By the way, John the Baptist, his mom was Mary's aunt, so they were like cousins to Jesus. Jesus and John were cousins. Anybody here have a cousin? Cousins are good, aren't they? They're good. Okay. So, in the sixth month, after John the Baptist was conceived, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin, she was engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. He was of the descendants of David, so he came from a royal lineage. That's why they went to Bethlehem, because of the census. You had to go back to the place of your lineage. Bethlehem was David's city. 
and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, the angel said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Now here comes the emotion. It wasn't because of the angel. It wasn't the angel that really did amaze Mary. At least the Bible doesn't say it was. But in verse 29, oh, she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. When the Bible says that she was perplexed, it means many things. It means that she was troubled, astonished, baffled. She was amazed. It was like, wow, what, what did he just say to me? Did I just hear that right? See, our God is an amazing God. And you know what he does? He brings amazement to us. That's why I said earlier, have you ever been amazed by God? That's why I think in order to be amazed by God, we have to like slow down. Sometimes we have to put the brakes on in life and just sit back and, and do that thing we don't do much. Think. Think. Who is he? Why did he give me life? What's his plan for my life? And we think about all the wonderful things that God has done and what he continues to do and how he's going to bring us home to heaven. That is amazing. So God is always amazing us. And you know, when Jesus was on the earth, he amazed people. The Bible tells us in Matthew 7, 28, that after he finished teaching, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Now, they went to synagogue every week, and they heard the priests and the Pharisees teach the scriptures, but they were like, kind of like monotone. He's read the law, you know. Wasn't much life in it. And when Jesus spoke, everybody woke up. They came alive. They found hope. And they were amazed at how he was teaching. In Matthew 8, 27, when he calmed the storm in the boat, the men were amazed, and they said, what kind of man is this? Like, who is this guy? That even the winds and the sea obey him. Jesus is in the amazement business. And I believe the closer you walk with him, the more you will be amazed. That which brings us the greatest amazement is his love. His love for us. Like, how can anybody love us the way he does? He does. He loves us with no limit. We don't even love that way. We can't even love the way Jesus loves us. So with Mary, it wasn't, I don't think, so much the appearance of the angel, but what he said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. I like what the King James says. Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. I don't think he said, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, but he said, blessed art thou amongst women. Maybe she's thinking, what's so special about me? Why, why is he saying this about me? Why am I favored? What does that mean? The Lord is with me. What does that mean? I mean, isn't God with everybody? Why, like, why is he with me? Why am I singled out? You know, sometimes we can hear things and not quite understand them not quite understand the depth of what's being said. When that happens, 
Don't jump to conclusions. Don't try to hurry up and figure it all out. And don't get negative when you hear something that you don't understand. Sometimes it's good to just, okay, let me like work this over in my mind before I react to it. And then the angel began to explain. See, she's okay, she's quiet. I'm not going to say anything. And the angel continued. The angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. I'm even going to tell you what to name him. Name him Jesus. Yeah, but we name our kids after their fathers, not this one. You're going to name him Jesus. That's going to be his name. You've got to break tradition. A lot of broken traditions here in the Christmas story. A girl having a baby before she's married. A girl not naming her son after the father. A lot of broken traditions. And then the angel continued and he said, Oh, he will be, I don't know if he said, Oh, maybe. He said, but I say, Oh. He will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Again, David wasn't his direct father, but that's how they spoke when they talked about the ancestral line. A father could be a great-great-great-great-grandfather. It's about the lineage of the family, that Jesus is coming from the lineage of David, as Joseph did, and you know what Mary did too? Joseph and Mary were both in the lineage of King David, many generations later. And then here's what he's going to do. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and this kingdom will have no end. Now, that's pretty amazing. I mean, that is amazing when this powerful being, this angel, comes and he delivers a message like this to a teenage girl. And Mary said, how can this happen? I'm not even married yet. I'm still a virgin. You know, the angel gave a great answer. Something that would be good for all of us to remember. That this answer can really fit in a lot of situations. You know what the, the angel said to her? Nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing is impossible. Oh, that's good to remember. We need to remember that in many circumstances of life. It doesn't mean God's going to do everything we want, but it does mean God can do anything He wants. That's what it means. There is no impossibility with God. God can do anything that he desires. And if he desires to move on our behalf, he certainly will. There's no mountain too big that he can't move. There's no river too wide that he can't cross. God can do anything. So sometimes we have to, as we read the scriptures, we kind of look inwardly a little bit. Are you perplexed about something? Are you confused about something? Nothing is impossible with God. It's so good to remember. And, and again, it's one of those things where the closer you walk with Christ, the more that's a reality. That could be just a figure of speech. Yeah, I know, with God, nothing's impossible. Or when you really walk with Christ, that becomes a way of thinking. That becomes a point of reference. So the best thing we can do for ourselves is draw as close to Christ in our daily life as we can. Though confused, perplexed, amazed. You know what? Mary gave a phenomenal response. 
She's like, I don't get what's going on here, man. This is, I don't know. It's supposed to be good news, but how come I don't feel like it? But you know what she said in verse 38? She said, behold, in other words, here I am, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Here I am. I'm your servant. I'm the slave of God. I will do whatever he asks. And she knows, you know what? Adultery was worthy of stoning. That was the law. You were caught in adultery, you were killed. And she said, may it be done according to your word. Totally sold out for God. Maybe that's why God found her. Maybe there was something about Mary's heart that wasn't in anybody else's heart. You know, there can be something in your heart that's not in most people's hearts. And God can use you in a mighty way. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking those whose heart is toward him. That's all he's looking for, hearts. He's not looking for perfection. He's not looking for the impossible. He's looking for hearts. Is your heart toward the Lord? That's all he's looking for. He can do great things with those kinds of people. Now, Mary was not alone in this emotion because Joseph also experienced a similar situation. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now, what do you think Joseph felt when he discovered that Mary was pregnant? Like, what? How can this be? They're engaged. Doesn't engagement mean that two people love each other and nobody else matters? That they're the ones? That everybody else is secondary? Joseph, he's thinking, I know she loves me. I love her. I don't understand this at all. I don't get what's going on here. You know, sometimes things don't make sense when you take them at face value. Because that's what he's looking at, face value. Face value isn't always true value. You know that? Did you ever buy a used car? <laughs> know what I'm talking about? Oh, it looks so shiny. Smells so good. You take it home, clunk, 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 clunk. Face value isn't always true value. And Joseph's going to learn that what he sees at face value, that's not really the truth. Oh, what a good lesson for us. Sometimes we look at things, and we take them at face value, and then we, boom, respond and react and jump right at it and find out, oh, that wasn't really it at all. I shouldn't have been so quick to jump. I should have just sat back and waited and thought about it and let it work its way out a little bit. The truth will always come. But watch out for what looks like face value. When things don't look right, look for it to become more clear. As Joseph did in a way, verse 19, Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, why didn't he want to disgrace her? Why didn't he want to embarrass her? Because he was a righteous man. And he loved her. You know, love is powerful. 
that she actually, in his mind, cheated on him, and he still loved her. That's love. That's true love. One time God told the prophet to go marry a prostitute, and he did. And then she still didn't change her ways. And the reason God did that is to show that the prostitute was representative of Israel. And how Israel doesn't change her ways. She still goes after false gods. Other gods! Like this woman went after other men. But it shows how deep, how wide, how strong is the love of God. God's love is that powerful and that strong. We need to live in that. So Joseph, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, in other words, bring her and expose her in her sin, he planned to send her away secretly, just maybe go live in another town with a relative and we'll just kind of forget the whole thing. Think of this. It's a hot day, 99 degrees. You just came in from two hours of mowing the lawn, guys. Your back is wet, sweat pouring down your face. You're greeted at the door. Would you like a chilled glass of dehydrogen oxide or a glass of cold water? What would you probably choose? The cold water? Who would choose the dehydrogen oxide? Who would choose the cold water? The rest of you just suffer and die? <laughs> the truth is, they're both the same. H2O. Same thing. It's all about perception. How do you see it? Oh, hydrogen dioxide. That's, isn't that for poison ivy? I'm not drinking that. It's water. It's how you see it. Perception. How do I... Joseph's going to learn something about perception. I know I see it this way, but you know what? That's not the truth. The way he sees it is not the way it is. Like so many things in our life, like so many things that rattle us. Have you all rattled over something and then you found out, oh, it wasn't that way at all. It wasn't that way at all. Perception. What, about, what I like about Joseph is that he believed the word of God over his own feelings. He knew how he felt. He felt, I'm sure, disheartened, hurting, discouraged. He felt terrible, I'm sure, because he was going to send her away. But you know what? The word of God overrode how he felt. In verse 20, when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. I love the way God always shows up at the right time. He appeared to him in a dream. I wonder why he came in a dream. I don't know. Came to Mary when she was like sewing or something. Came to Joseph when he was sleeping. And the angel said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The child who has been conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. Like what? The Holy Spirit. Hmm. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Not Joseph. Jesus. 
for he will save his people from their sins. God has a plan. In verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Wow. You know what's so great about God? You know what? He's always prepared. He's not like, oh no, what am I going to do now? He's always prepared. It was prophesied this would happen 700 years before it happened. Talk about being ready. I mean, how many of you pack for a vacation six months early? No. How many, how many of you pack the night before? <laughs> right? But God is like, this is 700 years in the making when it was prophesied. Actually, if we go back to the Garden of Eden, which is how many years before that, 4,000, it was prophesied then with the serpent and the son of the woman. Point is, God is prepared. Don't you worry. God knows what you're going through before you go through it. He knows what's waiting for you before you get there. Don't you worry about a thing. He's always a few steps ahead of us. Now, Joseph knew his Old Testament, and he knew the prophecies of the coming Christ. They all did. And it was happening, though, in his time, in his life. Now, Joseph and Mary, they're just everyday people, just like us. But something was happening in their time and in their life, personally. God was moving in their lives in a personal way. And that is why, how important it is to believe the Word of God over our own feelings. And how important it is to know that, you know what? God can work in your life. God has worked in your life. And God will work in your life. God does that with us. He's a very personal God. He really is. You might get angry at something. You might be disappointed at times. And you have all these negative emotions that begin to well up inside of you. But most importantly, be amazed that God loves you. And because God loves you, that should override all those negative emotions. The negative emotions are real, but God's love is real too. And it's even more powerful. But like I said, in order to appreciate the love of God, we have to walk with Christ every day. You gotta walk with the Lord Jesus. Because if you don't, God's love is gonna be like, not all that. It won't be that much to you. It's through walking with Christ that everything becomes even more real and more personal. John, Ephesians 3.18, Paul talked about God's plan for us, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of God's love. God, Paul prays for people that we would understand God's love, that we would, that we would grasp it, and know that his love for me is so great. And that's why the Christmas story, you know what it should do? It should resurrect feelings of God's love. It should bring to mind how much God really does love us. Don't let Christmas time be a time of despair. And don't let it be a time of discouragement. Let it be a sign of validating. God is validating his love. 
He's confirming his love through the greatest gift, the gift of his own son. Like I said, you cannot measure how wide God's love is. You cannot measure how long, how deep, how high. It's beyond measurement. This Christmas, when you look at that nativity, when you look at the scene where the Son of God came into the world, and you see him lying in that feeding trough, a little box that hay was in to feed the animals. That's the manger. A box of hay. That's where he was placed, wrapped in rags, wrapped in cloths. Be amazed. Say, I know what that baby is. That baby is God's love for me. See, we know God loves us two ways now. The gift that he gave when it all started at Christmas, and then the gift that he gave on the cross when it all ended through Christ. God's love. You can't beat that. You can't match that. You can't doubt that. His love is real. For unto us a child is born. A son is given. That's what's amazing. That's what's so amazing about Christmas. Unto us, us, for us, given to us, was a child. Was a son. The son of God. And we're going to name him Jesus. Emmanuel. Because Emmanuel means God with us. In that baby is God. God said, I've come down to you. I've come down to be with you. So when you leave the earth, you can come up to be with me. He came down to get us, and then he's going to come back and take us. That's a, that, that should be mind-blowing. That should be amazing. It's full of wonder that there is a God that would do that. And how sad for all the people that don't believe. How sad. How sad. How sad for the people that don't believe, and how sad for those that say they do, but there's no benefit. They're just religious, but they're not intimate. Intimacy is the height of love, and God wants us to be intimate with his son, because he's the gift that God gave to us. Let's bow our heads. I would say Christmas truly is a time of amazement. Let me ask you, are you amazed? When you look at that baby in the manger, the feeding trough, are you amazed that God would grant you that gift? And in that gift is eternal life and salvation. Boy, this story never grows old, does it? It's fresh every year. You can hear it again, not this story, but the Christmas story in a different way at any of our services here at New Hope, Route 6 in Swansea. Christmas Eve, 7 p.m. Christmas morning, 10 a.m. Come on out and celebrate God's gift, the birth of the Savior.